0: Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide. Featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen.
1: Welcome to our show of dream chasers and wealth makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they have learned and what you need to know today. And I'm very happy to have in studio today, the one, the only, once again, once again, Scott Heinle, not only a superior advisor, but also an expert in insurance with his firm Optivized Wealth Insurance. And today we're going to talk about something, um, one, we're going to talk about something that's very important. It's called long-term care insurance. One, because it is very important, and two, because there are some and very important changes
2: taking place. Would you say that's accurate, Scott? That is very accurate. You embellish about your kindness towards me, but I do appreciate being (laughs) here, and thank you for having me. And it is a very, very important topic. It's something that every advisor and retiree should should have discussion with their planner about and be prepared for. Uh, Also, to your point, there's legislation that's yep. potentially looming, not just in California, but many states across the country. Washington already adopted it, so I think yep. it's very timely that we have this conversation. But i tell you what, before we get right
1: into that, I think there might be some who don't really know what long-term care insurance is. So maybe let's take a minute and say what it is and what it is not.
2: What long-term care insurance is, first and foremost, for basically it's not health insurance, Good. Uh, one of the common mistakes that many individuals make is that just not understanding the difference between you know, Medicaid and Medicare. Whereas Medicare is, you know, essentially state-provided health care, whereas Medicaid is more of the long-term care, protective services, or extended health services that one may need in life. The truth of the matter is that this is reserved for people who are impoverished. And uh, it's a way that the government and the society at large can help keep people from being pushed out on the streets when they need care the most at the later stage of life. Um, Long-term care as definition is simply defined by one's ability or inability to perform two out of six activities of daily living uh, and or cognitive impairment. Right, And not to get into the weeds on the activities daily. It's the basic activity. So, you know, eating, bathing, dressing, transferring. Uh, continents. Mo- continence, all of those things, yeah. Right. So yep. that's really what long-term care is.
1: Okay. I would say another thing that it is not is disability insurance. I think sometimes people get confused on that. And I look at disability insurance as something you use to protect your income while you're working. And then long-term care insurance is something to preserve and protect your wealth
2: while you're on the other side of working, That's exactly right, yeah. Disability is more during working years, incapacity, my inability or incapacity to perform my job, to make a living, yeah. and therefore, uh, that insurance steps in to fill that void.
1: Yeah. All right, I thought we would get into the types of long-term care insurance, but maybe um, we'll save that for the end, and let's now talk about these changes you were referencing.
2: Can we play a little game first? Ooh, I love games. Quick let's, little trivia game. Let's go. So, it's a long term care statistics trivia game. Okay. Um, what I have in my hands are the answers that you, that you cannot see <laughs> are the answers to some very, what I feel incredibly staggering statistics as it relates to time, duration of how long an individual has actively received care, yeah. and to the total cost. So, let's take one at a time. What do you think? Um, what would you think the, the total length of time that an individual has received care? So this is insurance claims been paid on behalf of an individual receiving care. How long did that period of time last? In In one particular incident? One, one person, one total claim.
1: Oh, one total claim. So lifetime
2: claim on one person. Yeah.
1: Um, I believe it is two years. That's the total. On one claim.
2: On one claim. So it happens to be a male. Okay. And the largest claim in terms of time. Oh, did you say, I thought you said average. No, no, not average. Total time.
1: Okay, just give us the answer. (laughs) It's longer than two
2: years. (laughs) 19 years and three months. Wow. Okay, now, total cost of claim. What's the most that an insurance company has paid out on one person's life needing care? Okay,
1: nineteen years. I'm gonna say ten thousand dollars a month in benefit. So it's one hundred twenty thousand a year times twenty.
2: That's two million. Yes, you're very close. It is two million. $636,000. Six hundred and thirty-six thousand dollars. That'll take a crimp out of someone's
1: wealth and retirement.
2: So the reason the reason I bring that up and the importance of this is most people disassociate the need of care with wealth. So if I'm wealthy enough, I can self-insure. And the answer to that is yes, absolutely, yeah, you course. can. Yeah. Is it the most efficient solution? Do you, regardless of how much wealth you had. Would you rather come out of pocket $2.6 million or maybe when you're younger and healthy, reposition two hundred, four hundred thousand, two to $400,000 in that case to protect the whole risk? Right. The other part of it is an individual household, husband and wife, there's no way that they can assess the risk of what it's going to be if eventually the risk ends up being needing care for 19 years. Right. So if I have a spouse in need of care for that many years how many years did the healthy community spouse live living a normal as normal of a lifestyle as they can spending the amount of money that that household is used to spending on all the fine things in life and all of that so it becomes an incredibly uh, risky proposition to self-insure i'll leave that there
1: yeah i'll add but i will add something not to mention if you're self-insuring you are most likely going to lean on spouse children, family members to help, and I don't know how many people would really want that as their as their solution for caretaking.
2: You are 100% correct in that. Yeah. Okay, that was that. I yeah. think that was a very, very, it's just a very important point of conversation to make and go through as you just conceptualize yeah. the, the big picture. Exactly. Okay, moving on. Um, state mandates. What do you know about these state mandates
1: i know it's already happened in washington it ha- that's true i know that the state mandated a a particular amount of long-term care coverage that's true i know that there was an opt-in period
2: you're an expert
1: um, i know it caused a big uh upheaval in the insurance world for those Anywhere in the country now that tried to get an insurance policy highly of disruptive the, of the run.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. um,
1: that's about the limit of my knowledge.
2: So all of what you stated is absolutely true. Uh, let's just go in the wayback machine. Talk a little about what happened in in Washington and where we sit today. So, uh, and this could be all looked up in wa cares fund dot wa gov about. Uh, So this is where everybody can go and validate this information. But essentially what Washington state adopted was a uh, state mandated long-term care program that was pretty inept in the benefits that it, it provided its citizens. And there was a payroll tax that was tied to this Mm -hmm. that had no phase out. So regardless of how little or how much I made in wages, there was a flat tax that was assessed and so the higher income earners were obviously going to be in fairness most penalized right. for this type of tax and receive the least amount of benefit at the same time yeah. was there a cap on that income cap no there was no income cap
0: that, that that's one wow. of the quote unquote
2: look back you know yeah. if we would have done this differently yeah. how we would have something right. we should have probably thought to right. do right so uh, it's all reimbursement benefits the maximum lifetime Benefit in terms of long-term care benefits that I can receive is thirty-six thousand five hundred dollars, which is a, so it's a hundred a day, thirty-six thousand five hundred. That's it. That's all I can receive in my lifetime for LTC. Is that adequate? No, yeah, no, far from it. Yeah. Um, up to a forty-five day elimination period, no portability, and it's individual coverage.
1: And it's reimbursement.
2: It's reimbursement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the payroll tax was 0.58% for all W-2 employees with no contribution cap. And so that became this opportunity, if you will. Mm -hmm. So um, consumers were saying, how do I avoid this tax? Well, the way you could avoid this tax was what Washington did was there was an opt-out window. And if they followed the guidelines and the rules to opt out, they had to basically purchase their own individual coverage that was qualifying. They go to a portal within the state, show proof of coverage, and now I no longer have to pay the tax. Mm-hmm. And financially, it was very practical and viable in the sense that it it just, it the math added up that if I made X amount of income, I'm paying too much in premium. I'm better off just going buying my own policy or or more actually embracing on the topic of with an advisor on how much long-term care should I actually have let's take this seriously and let me just purchase true coverage not just the minimal amount that I need to negate the tax right and so that that's a summary of what really happened in in Washington and now you fast forward to today and you've got 19 states that are looking and, and doing their own due diligence and research and creating a task force in the case of California that are looking at adopting some form of state-mandated long-term care in some capacity. Uh, so now as it relates here to California, um, in the way that California does a lot of things, it's it's becoming a little bit more complicated. As it always is in California. As always, and And in fairness, <laughs> as, as it probably should of... Okay, what are the things that we could learn from what Washington did that we definitely should change? Things they did well, things that they didn't do well, and so there was a task force created and what California is is mapping. Nothing is official. I think it's very, very important to make the comment that the legislature has not created any form of public long-term care insurance program yet. I can't re- state that. So it's not yet. Okay, it is not yet. This is all in the works, uh, but they have landscaped some, some um, picture of what this will look like
1: with a commitment that they will do
2: it. No. Okay. So they have voted. There is there is an assembly bill. It's Assembly Bill five six seven, that the state has uh, roughly mapped out, and it will come to official legislation sometime in 2024. So I can speak a little bit to that in detail with yeah. the with the detail with the notice, excuse me, that the state put out yesterday actually. And I think best to probably just read some of this. The California Department of Insurance has received several complaints regarding misleading marketing and communications. By some long-term care insurance and agents in connection with the work of the California LTC task force. These communications falsely assert that a new payroll tax will be imposed in the near future and that consumers should rush to buy long-term care insurance before the end of 2023. Mm. Let's pause there. Yeah. What's happening there is you can imagine sales agents, insurance agents who are licensed to sell these products have been exploiting. This is a way to induce sure. sales. Sales, right? Um, let's not do that. <laughs> let's avoid that. Let's yeah. be let's be truthful <laughs> and honest here. Uh, it, it goes on to say the department condemns these tactics and will take steps appropriate to curtail and take action against these indivi- unscrupulous individuals. Great. Uh, the task force was assembled by Assembly Bill five six seven, as I stated in two thousand nineteen. So. Step one, if you will, of this legislative process was already has been adopted. Sure. And to recommend options for designing and implementing a public long term care program, the task force was charged with producing two reports, which I have here uh, one that identifies the feasibility of the proposed designs, and the other that provides an actuarial analysis of the designs. Um, so we have some data around that as well. At the earliest, the state could vote to enact a plan or this plan in January 1st of 2024. And the reality of it is, so this is a very important point to make, that they may or may not choose to proceed with legislation to establish a public program. It's a possibility they just Mm -hmm. decide we're not going to move forward. Sure. Okay, so what are the options? the options will range anywhere from let's say 36,000 on the low end upwards of 144,000 on the high end
1: so the 0.58 goes up if you opt for a higher benefit
2: uh, so in california the the that was te- texas was 0.58 oh. California uh, has not yet definitively put out what the tax rates will be, but the estimated payroll range is going to be somewhere between 0.4 and 0.6. And then based on, you know, your income, different design elements of the plans, you know, how comprehensive, how prohibitive it's going to be, what the daily limits are going to be is where you're going to kind of hone in on what option you choose. You think they'll do like a platinum, silver, bronze concept? Exactly. It'd be something like that, right? So in this case, the option five that they've yeah. outlined would be the most expensive option. Okay. That would be your Cadillac. And then, you know, your, your Toyota Camry would be option one. Yeah. And that would be the least expensive from a payroll tax standpoint. Okay. They're also talking about having contribution caps, right? So... I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what's important about this, I think, for most people to understand is that, one, although not definitive, most likely this is something that is going to move forward in the state of California, something that the state has wanted for for many years to provide their citizens for the benefit. Um, and, and so there isn't a lot of clarity yet around what what the opt-out options will be we believe that there will be we're not definitively know, we don't definitively know what the opt-out options will be meaning i can go purchase a an individual long-term care insurance plan that's qualifying in nature for right. my own personal benefit and not the state plan
1: right and that could cause some issues right if so someone has intent not to use the state um, created or provided plan they go out and buy a private plan and if it doesn't qualify then we might have some issues I
2: right there exactly so these are all the things that i think it's important for for individuals to just stay aware of yeah you know be abreast of the situation hey look it, it's a tax right and so any new tax i should probably do some due diligence on and figure out how yeah. this affects me certainly from a long-term care perspective it it applies directly to any retiree or, sure. or aging population right um If I purchase this, it doesn't behoove me in any way of purchasing additional care or the care that I already do have can simply just layer over this. So it's in addition to. There's nothing wrong with that either.
1: Oh, that's a... So someone might just choose the least expensive, least taxed option and then supplement or layer on top of it a private.
2: It'd be a great idea. Yeah. You know, I mean, so what does this really mean? Any of these state-provided solutions is is something in the right direction for those in need right however it, it most likely isn't going to cover all of an of one or a household's long-term care right. potential needs certainly if we look back at what the you know the most extreme risks and cost yeah. duration could be um, so it, it goes back to having a conversation with you right as an advisor of how you approach the topic of, of long-term care. So I thought, well, how, how do you approach this conversation with many of your clients? What does that journey look like?
1: Yeah. So as you know, everything that we do here starts with a financial plan. And a good financial plan has at least five different areas of, of uh, deep investigation, deep dive. So it's obviously asset management, which is what we do here, um, retirement or financial independence planning, estate planning, sometimes college education planning, but definitely definitely what we call it risk planning, or insurance planning, risk management planning. And then within that sector, we look at, okay, are your survivors properly taken care of in the event of a death? And we also look at, are you in good condition in the event of an unforeseen disability? Um, We look at a disability insurance prior to retirement, and we look at it at long-term care um, for, nearing retirement or post retirement, um, and our system will will show you know, these will be the ram- we'll play what if scenarios. So if you go on on claim, these are the average. I don't typically use your maximum <laughs> lengths. Right. We'll use average. Yeah, yeah. It's two or three years. These are this is the co- cost you can expect. And where we live here in California, seven, eight, nine, ten grand a month. Mm-hmm. And that's not even twenty four seven. So we factor that in, and you know then we we discuss with the client what their upper level is some some will default to well i'll just take care of it some will will default to my kids will take care of me and we have you know kind of a heart-to-heart conversation about that but many are seeing the light especially with the newer um if we have time to get to the newer products the hybrid products that make it um a little bit more easier to obtain and have multiple purposes when Mm -hmm. you combine life with long-term care for sure the clients that approach us every time have had and usually recently some sort of long-term care event with their parents grandparents that that will drive a question from the individual or the client Um, if not very few people come unless they've just experienced a
2: horrific uh, event about that and so typically just so i understand that what you're saying is in most cases the client Seeks you, solicits insurance, long-term care insurance when their parent has received some level of care or someone yes. near and dear someone to them. But most dear. commonly, probably parent, right? Yeah, so parent. it's adult child yeah. who comes to you and says,
1: "You can't believe what we just went through. You can't believe the cost. You can't believe you know this, that, and
2: that." It, let me ask you another question. I'm interested. In your career, has there been ebbs and flows of of that? Or, or has it been more, no, just, it's always pretty much been the same. Like, risk and concern around the cost of long-term care. Has it, there's been an ebb and flow of that, or has it?
1: That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think the awareness of it and the increased costs have had more impact on people being a little more interested and being a little more proactive about it.
2: And I, I, my, my thought in that is, well, you have two things. One is, you know, boomers, are being put in that situation regularly, just because yeah, yeah now because yeah. they're they're caught in the situation of taking care of their parents right. who are in need of care. So that whole just socio economical aspect of it, uh, Two, I think because you have this incredible increase year over year of the rising cost of health care, which yeah. long term care and the cost of that goes hand in hand. Of course, so people are spending more and more on a monthly basis for their health insurance. yeah. Cost of long-term care is also going up relatively greater than inflation. It's like, what do we do about this? Right, right. So Except what FY do you I, do? The oldest
1: the oldest boomers right now are approaching 80, so it might not just be their parents. The They're the young ones needing care. The youngest boomers may be their parents, mm-hmm. but the oldest, yeah, 1946
2: to 64. Which would be now, my, then on to Gen X. Yep. Yeah. You youngsters, you. That's right, the youngsters. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what what are the solutions? So we um,
1: go to a very well-established, very helpful, very knowledgeable organization called Optimized Wealth Insurance, Hmm. and they help us uh, (laughs) in our, um, you know, given the circumstances, Uh, I'll speak to someone there, primarily Nick or yourself. They look, these are the circumstances that we're dealing with. And um, I like to always come back very high level to the client and show the different options. One being just pure long-term care insurance, which has been around the longest. Um, Some of the newer options that we discussed that that are more more aligned with what I think are the better solutions are combining the long-term care with your life insurance so that at the end, as you know, Uh, Not at the end. From day one, there is a pool of money that can be used either in the event of a death, or can be used for long-term care. And whatever is not used for long-term care is it it keeps the death benefit higher. If you happen to use some of the long-term care, uh, it might reduce a little bit of your death benefit. But that's what that pool is for. And I find that to be more cost-effective. You know that the premiums are not going to increase like we've had experience with a straight long-term care. I've also j- recently, because of more because of health conditions, used annuity platforms, where an annuity can provide long-term care benefit and some growth, um, stable growth. You know, not significant growth, stable growth, but provide more than what the annuity is valued at. Mm-hmm.
2: Well so- said, absolutely. The only mm-hmm. thing I would add to that, when the life insurance element of things, is the two obvious benefits are, if I need, which you stated, if I need care, i.e., the long-term care insurance. Yeah or if I pass away not using all the long-term care, there's still a residual benefit through life insurance to my beneficiaries. The third would potentially be some cash value. So I'm I'm still living, Uh, I'm not needing care, I need access to capital for whatever reason. Typically there'll be some form of a cash value that is available, Um, That could be less, it could be the same, and hopefully it's a little bit better, right. but there's no guarantee of that. So Exactly right. Um, what I like to say is with these what we call hybrid plans or asset-based plans, whether they're on annuity chassis or a life chassis, there's a 100 percent responsibility or obligation of the insurance company to pay out benefits in some capacity. Some capacity, whether that be for via the yep. life insurance, yeah, you know. Preferably, or the intent is for long term care insurance claims yeah. or the residual cash value. And so, right. um, the other way we like to help an individuals understand it or visualize it is you have a balance sheet, everybody has their income and assets, right? Mm-hmm. And so what this is, is really a repositioning of either income, exposable, sure. disposable income, right. and or assets, typically those that are gonna be the lowest earning, right. safest, um, conservative assets in their ledger, right? right? Moving them over from one place to the other, and and hopefully you continue to earn some interest, but you gain all these other benefits in addition to that and, and mitigate the risk. And speaking of that,
1: so, um... You're going to have to refresh. Remember, we have a client that had a, a very um, low basis annuity that had matured, had a need for long-term care. So we're able to 1035 exchange, which means we're all to the new uh, long-term care based annuity, with no tax, no penalty, um, and with the ability for the client to receive tax-free the benefit um, from what would have been a taxable annuity.
2: Correct. Yes. So so what that is, um, how we can do that is through the Pension Protection Act benefits. That had specific language in it about the benefits for long-term care yeah. claims. And if it is a qualified long-term care claim that is being paid under 7702B section of the IRS yeah. code, then the benefits paid for that are yeah. fully tax-free for long-term care uses and purposes. Right. And so, in your example, the really nice thing about that strategy from a tax-efficient standpoint is if I've got an old, non-qualified annuity that has a very low basis and it has a considerable gain, the gain will be taxes, ordinary income. So if I start withdrawing from that for care or any, any need, crazy, then it's yeah. gonna be yeah. less than the money that I withdrew relative to right. gross versus net after taxes. And so, with what, you're, what you described is, Simply stated, you can transfer tax-free via 1035 Exchange from one annuity to new annuity with the added benefits of long-term care that if paid out via long-term care benefits, they're Mm tax-free. So it's a very efficient and wise strategy. I like to say it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing.
1: (laughs) Um, What should we be telling clients today about this the new legislation on this. We know that we're not creating um, a rush to, to move. We know that it isn't for sure, but but what would be a logical thing to do for someone who is interested in long-term care?
2: Consult with their advisor, like Bart Sandbergen. <laughs> that would be a good one. Um, simply don't be misled by... Um, unscrupulous sales practices and tactics that are going on out there. Uh, long-term care planning is very important for retirees as it relates to this legislation. You Assembly Bill 567 is what it is. You can go to the state website, California state website, to look at what that information is or just simply Google the words and news and information yeah. will come up and um, For now, that's probably it. I mean, the next date is January 1, 2024, so that's when we'll really have something more definitive that we know what it will look like and how they're going to proceed.
1: I think uh, you owe me a follow-up guest appearance when the new legislation comes to fruition, and we can discuss the moves from there.
2: We can do that, and we'll probably bring on Nick, who's the best of... (laughs) The best of the best. That's right, exactly. right. (laughs)
1: All right. Anything else you think we should cover here?
2: That is it. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. Till next time. Cheers. Till next time. Thanks for popping in.
0: Thanks for everyone who has tuned in. We look forward to being in studio again next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed and may lose value.